0: Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. It's amazing how quickly this year has gone. I said that to someone earlier. I don't like to say that because it makes me feel old because as you get older, time seems to go quicker. Uh, It just feels that way. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence your presence that makes us different and father we just thank you that as we're here to honor you and to worship you and to magnify you you manifest your presence among us and we just welcome that in jesus name amen from luke chapter 2 verse 7 says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Seems like that's what the angel says every time he shows up. (laughs) Don't be afraid. They must have been scary. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, and you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I've read that many, many times, and it's always hit me why all this hoopla? Why all this stuff? Uh, What makes this so special that we're still celebrating 2,000 years later? Was it just another baby born? There might have been 100,000 babies born at that time. Two things that hit me in this, and I want to talk about this morning. One, why these shepherds? Here is the King of the universe coming and becoming man, and there are some shepherds out there. Why these shepherds? I did some, uh, some research, and there's a lot of thoughts about this. But one is that they're not just any shepherds. But these shepherds were actually raising the lambs that would be the Passover lambs in a few months. The lambs for the Passover, uh, Josephus, a Jewish historian, estimated that there might have been as many as 250,000 lambs used that Passover in Jerusalem. He was a little bit later, so that might be an exaggeration. But even if it's 100,000, these were lambs that for Passover had to be less than a year old and had to be spotless, perfect. And so here are these guys, and they were probably the lambs that they were raising. Yes, it was lambing season. There's been some speculation that Jesus couldn't have been born in December because lambs aren't birthed in winter. And that's true in Europe, in North America, in Australia, but it's not true in the Middle East. The sheep that they have there, because of the rains, are almost all born in midwinter. They're, they're a type of sheep they're called the wassi sheep. And because that's when the rain comes and there's grass in the fields, they find that even now, that's when they give birth to, to their lambs. Uh, they would say today in Iraq, lambing season is November, and in Jordan, Syria, and Israel, it's December. So it could very clearly have been December. And so if that's when they're giving birth to the lambs, and the lambs have to be less than a year old for Passover, then these were the lambs that were, they were watching. These were the, the ones who were there seeing these lambs get birthed. Someone said that that lamb, those lambs, because every family had to have a Passover lamb. Passover was in March or April, that those lambs were, the, were called by the Levites the Lamb of God. Now there's a whole lot of speculation about whether they actually wrapped these lambs up. It doesn't appear that they actually did, but there is some indication that they put a cloth on them to identify them until they were certified as spotless by the shepherd priest who said that they were spotless. And so that could be part of it. But the bottom line is, John picks up on that in in John one twenty nine when he talks about Jesus, it says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why these shepherds? Because when they went to Bethlehem, they saw the personification of what they were expecting and preparing for. With these thousands of lambs that would be Passovers, so they found the lamb, and they were excited and went and told everybody. Otherwise, it makes not a whole lot of sense. But I told you there was two things, and we see those two things in Matthew, Matthew chapter one, from verse twenty-one. This is uh, in the midst of Joseph having a, a dream. That he's not to put Mary away. says, and she will bring forth, this is the angel speaking to Joseph, says, she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Have you heard that? Yes, that's part of his purpose. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But it goes on and says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Well, couldn't they, couldn't God make up his mind? Is it Jesus or is it Emmanuel? Yes, it's both because the name reflected the purpose. It wasn't just a name. He was Jesus, who would save his people from sin but he was also Emmanuel, God with us. Think about that. The God of the universe, who created everything, is with us. Yes, he became a man, he's with mankind, You could say, even if you look back at 2,000 years and say Jesus became a man and, and he understands man, but by his spirit, he is still with every one of us who know him. Are you getting a picture of why this is a big deal? See, redemption was the doorway into his presence. It wasn't the whole goal. The greatest gift you received is not that you got saved. The greatest gift that you received is that God is with you. You got saved so you can be in relationship with him. That sounds good theory. Let's put it into a little bit more specific practice. He's with us. But he's with us in our sorrows. Isaiah fifty three three says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This year, some of us have lost loved ones. As we just prayed for the community in Devonport. A couple years ago, my mom died, and I went to to be with her, but. She actually passed away while I was traveling, while I was in the air, flying there. And when I got there, one, I had jet lag, two, I had missed her, three, Mary wasn't with me and my phone didn't work. And I felt absolutely, totally lost and alone. Almost overwhelmingly so. And I realized that many have experienced much worse than that. And all I could do in the middle of the night when I felt so alone was cry out, Jesus, I need you. Which is really what this means when they said, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna has come to mean God saves. But it's actually a direct quote from Psalm 118 which says, save us God. It's a crying out to him, and he comes. He's with us. But not only having lost loved ones, many of us are cut off from loved ones. Because of this pandemic, we haven't been able to see family or friends. I know that Mary has felt this uh, with our grandkids and being removed from them. And I know that many of you, it's the same place. But the reality is that he is with us. John 14 16 and 17, he says, if I can find it in my Bible, you guys already have it up there, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, that word is comforter, that he may abide with you forever and the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, he is our comfort. Understanding isn't our comfort. Too often people ask, the first question is why. They think if they have some understanding, they'll be comforted. But God doesn't say, hey, I'll give you all the answers. He said, I'll give you my presence. I'll put my arms around you. And comfort doesn't change the circumstances. It just means that we're not alone as we go through that wonderful thing is you don't have to go to Israel to find Jesus. He's given us the comforter, his spirit who's with us wherever we are. We're never alone. Even when we feel alone, we're not alone, because he's with us. But he's not only with us in our sorrows, he's with us in our struggles and storms. Isaiah 43, 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. How many of you know that life isn't always smooth sailing? We all have problems. He actually never promised us that it would be otherwise. He never said, come to me and everything will be great. He actually said this. Count it all joy when you're persecuted for my namesake. does it seem like you're trying to recruit people when you tell them, just be aware of this before you get involved in this, if you follow me. So the answer isn't that everything's gonna be smooth, but the answer is that we have his presence. See, we still live in a broken world. Unfortunately, there are still all kinds of circumstances and situations around us of brokenness. And he doesn't get us out of that. He will someday. But he hasn't done that. But in the midst of that, he's with us. But he's with us to strengthen us. Isaiah 41:10, fear not. For I there's that fear not. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you and hold you by my righteous right hand. What a wonderful promise. In the midst of storms, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of the things that we face in life, he's with us to strengthen us. But he's not only with us in our sorrows and in our storms and struggles, but he's with us in our stumbling. Or when we sin. See, many people think that if they do wrong, God leaves them. If I sin, God runs away from me. Actually, he doesn't. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear. Be afraid. There's that do not fear again. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. One of the greatest promises in the Bible is that God won't forsake us. No matter what we do, he doesn't leave us. That's good and bad. The bad side is no matter what you do, he doesn't leave you. His presence is a constant conviction. You're never gonna be comfortable in sin. because he's not, and he doesn't leave you. Uh-oh, we're gonna talk about holiness in January. He doesn't leave us. Sometimes we think he, do, he does, he, he will. That didn't actually come out right. <laughs> My wife was an English major. So I'm very aware when I say something that's poor grammar. (laughs) I do hear about it later. If it's really bad, I hear about it right now. (laughs) But how often do we think that when we do something wrong, God turns his face away from us? And just the opposite, he opens his arms wide. And he says, I love you. I accept you. He still believes in us. Even when we don't believe in ourselves. He's with us in our sorrows. He's with us in our storms and struggles. He's with us in our stumbling when we sin. But he's also with us to save. Jeremiah 30, verse 11 says, For I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Luke 19.10, for the Son of God has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 3, 16 and 17, you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Actually, there's something about believing, repenting, and being baptized. As I said earlier, Mark 16:16, 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be, paid, will be saved. Acts 2:38, when Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. See, there's something about believing, if we really believe, that leads to an action. Repentance, turning from sin and turning to God. Believing is not just an academic exercise. I believe in a man who lived 2,000 years ago. I received a uh, letter in the... A flyer in our mailbox this week from one of the local members of parliament and it was just a Christmas greeting and he talked about for him Christmas is taking a few moments and remembering a man who was born to poor parents and who grew up and became a carpenter and taught a lifestyle that would Im- impact people. And I thought it was wonderful that he even mentioned that that's what Christmas was about, but he missed the whole point. The whole point isn't a man who lived 2,000 years ago. Believing in that isn't what saves us. Belief leads to repentance. Repentance is turning from my rebellion, my own life, and turning to Jesus. And then... When we really repent and we become a follower of Jesus, baptism is the very next step. It's dying to myself, it's making a declaration that I've turned, I'm now a follower of Jesus. So you can believe and not be a follower. As Ethan was telling me, he had a, or saw a series, you can be a fan but not a follower. How many people want to believe in Jesus at a distance, but they haven't actually repented and haven't turned to him? Then we're followers of Jesus. Let me ask you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, will you believe in him today? Will you turn from living for yourself? And turn to Him. And will you then obey Him and become a follower? See, when we understand that, we understand this. That was a big deal when God became man. It was a big deal. God becoming a baby was a big deal. He redeemed us. Eventually, he grew up and his sacrificial death bore our sin, but he also came to be with us. He is with us today. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Why did the angel say to the shepherds that this is for joy for all the earth? Because his presence is fullness of joy not right circumstances not the removing of all the storms and struggles not putting us in a cocoon so nothing bad ever happens his presence is our joy so so the reality is today we're not just celebrating an event that took place 2,000 years ago. We're celebrating a person, a risen king who is here with us every day, not just on Christmas. When we worship, we celebrate his presence. And we're gonna do that just now. That was a whole lot quicker than I thought, so maybe you better go tell the uh, Will somebody uh, help me out and go let, let the uh, the teachers know that we're we're back here, Darlene? Thank you. I wanted to uh, to share. For, he's all right. She's already got it, uh, Dylan. Darlene's already got it. You okay? Thank you. As we worship, as we celebrate his presence, as we come into his presence, because that's what worship is, it's us together bringing his presence and then that combined synergy. I want to ask you, let's allow him to touch us today, to comfort us when we need comforting, Allow him to put his arms of love around you as you worship today, to pour his love and acceptance on us, to strengthen us, to show himself real, and to give us joy, even in the midst of sorrows and storms. See worship is not just about singing a few songs and we really struggle when it comes to Christmas because the expectations is that we sing all these Christmas carols. And some of them help bring us into his presence. But Tim really has struggled with how do we put all this together that we come to his presence. Because it's not just singing about something that happened 2000 years ago, it's actually embracing the presence of God today. So as we uh, get ready and enter into worship, I'm just kind of stalling right now, in case you haven't figured that out. Uh, I'm gonna ask you if you'd stand. And if you would make an effort to fight the idea of being an audience and say, no, I'm gonna be a worshiper. I'm going to enter the presence of God. Lord, we just thank you. We stand humbled, absolutely amazed that you became man and redeemed us, but that you are still Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, would you pour your presence on us this morning? Lord, on those who have suffered loss, will you bring comfort? Those who are in the midst of storms, struggles, will you strengthen? Those who've stumbled, will you pour your love and acceptance? make yourself real to those who don't know you yet as we worship you.